Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Jessica Jones, who's the owner of PivotToGrowth.com. Jessica's a serial entrepreneur. She's grown and scaled and sold several businesses. We're going to be talking about the whole process today, as well as why she's quite the superhero when it comes to helping other people also grow their own businesses to the point of the success that they've always wanted and the life that they've wanted to live. Check out this episode. There's no fluff here. It's a great one. Enjoy it. Here comes your good advice. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're talking about the real work it takes to grow a business. And I don't mean just grow a business. I'm talking about a business that actually gets to the point that people are like, hey, you, you got something here. In fact, maybe even a business you could even sell one day, businesses that that actually have value to it and that you know you aren't just hoping that it goes somewhere. It actually has real worth to it. Today in the podcast, we have Jessica Jones. Jessica is a serial entrepreneur. She's grown and sold multiple businesses. And today we're going to be talking about what does it really take to grow a business, maybe even sell a business, but more importantly, to have that business that people are like, yes, I like what you're doing and I want to support it. We're going to be talking specifically about medical practices today, but this information is going to be helpful wherever you are in your industry, wherever you are in the life cycle of your business. We're going to be talking about some good advice today. Jessica, the superhero, Jessica Jones with us today. It's so great to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I, you know, we were just joking a second ago because I was like, can I make the superhero joke? And you're like, yeah, but you know, she's an alcoholic and that's not really me. So, (laughs) you know, I'm glad we have part of the joke and more importantly, it's just great to have you here today. Um, Tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, so I am, as, as you said, a serial entrepreneur. Um, I think that I, I was a born entrepreneur. I was always um, coming up with ideas and selling them because I had older sisters who were always managing to be employed and I had no opportunity to make money. So I'd kind of you know, pick flowers and sell them to people in crowds and things of that nature. And then I was very lucky in my life. Um, I worked hard and was uh, an executive vice president at a, a national company at a very young age. And the owner of that company recognized entrepreneurial spirit and um, allowed us to be entrepreneurs where we kind of started new revenue streams within that company that we owned and had the opportunity to build with job security. And then in 2008, if some of you remember the financial turmoil at the time, the company was restructuring its finances. And uh, this place where I grew from starting my career to becoming an executive vice president to overseeing a region to becoming the national lead national trainer um, in sales and leadership and opening an international division went into chapter 
seven and like that <laughs> was gone. Wow. And I was seven months pregnant. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the time. So um, like some of you may, some of your audience will also, I'm sure, relate. I was very lucky. I had a great reputation and I had several job offers within moments of the announcement. And um, you know, given my given everything happening, I I went back into corporate America and discovered that in the in most organizations, you are having a consistent issue with you become a valued asset and they keep adding responsibility and removing right. opportunity to make money right in in return and so i was working longer hours harder and harder and earning less and i just i called my husband and i said i just want to let you know i'm going to go quit and start my non compete and he said i support you whatever you want to do <laughs> so <laughs> what a relief and then uh, from from there, I was really lucky again. I had so many clients say, I don't know how, but I want to work with you because I need your expertise. And so my expertise was in lead generation and direct response advertising. And I, you know, the next day had a, had a business, basically. Um, and through that skill set, because I live in Philadelphia, I was working with pharmaceutical companies to do um, film difficult clinical studies um, where the where the patient that they were looking for was in a particular niche and it was hard to find. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was referred to doctors and and Kate fell into owning owning medical practices because um, it was discovered that beyond being that lead generator. I was the business asset that they needed because they had all the medical expertise. But once I was bringing leads in, I had to start consulting on every level and process of their business to really help them build their business. Mm -hmm. And over time helped many doctors successfully build, grow and sell practices. Well, I, there's a couple of things I want to ask you about for your story, sure. which by the way, I, I totally flubbed and didn't mention the name of your business, Pivot to Growth. Uh, and listeners, you can check this out at pivottogrowth.com. Uh, Jessica, it's really interesting listening to your story and especially the start of that story where you were working in that business that was sort of harnessed that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Um, it almost makes me wonder, because it feels like this, this um, part of the story is very common across entrepreneurs in that many of us, myself included, was in a corporate role or a co corporate environment. And it sort of felt like um, being suppressed in some way, you know, like this inner person wanting to get out. And so that's yeah. why uh, many of us go on to leave the corporate world. Do you feel like if you had stayed, if that company had stuck around, do you feel like you would have eventually left to start your own venture? Or do you think it would have scratched the itch enough for you to... You know, it's it's really difficult to say, but um, I it, it is difficult to say. I, I might still be there today. What I will tell you is it was a, so unique... And if you're building a large company that has the ability to cultivate uh, and, and allow people to um, test ideas and revenue streams, uh, and you do that, you will certainly build loyalty uh, with your team and you will retain people who would other, otherwise leave. I mean, um, I did think about leaving that company at one point 
And at that time, they then started investing in me and I got my master's degree there. Um, They sent me to what would be a life-changing program. Uh, They sent me to something called the Bell Leaders Roundtable at the University of North Carolina um, with Dr. Gerald Bell, who who has devoted his life to building leadership Hmm. um, in people. And most people don't get the opportunity. He only takes C-level executives into that program. And so most people don't get there until they're well into their career, where I got to go there when I was 26. Hmm and get those qualities instilled into me at an early age. Um, and so I, I, I loved every minute there because I got to do so many things. I was the lead corporate trainer in sales and leadership. I got to continue my education there at all times. I was always learning while I was there. And I got to test out adding revenue streams that um, I was, I was a part owner of with the owner of that company. So it was amazing. Do you think there's a reason why it feels like that is, I mean, what you described, I think people who are listening and maybe they haven't started their entrepreneurial journey, mm-hmm. but they've sort of dreamed about it or they've thought about it. I think many of those people hear that description and they think, oh, well, I, I would kill for my job to be like that. Yeah. Why does it seem like corporations these days are less, open to this sort of entrepreneurial, um, agile, innovative spirit in their people? Um, You know, I can't really um, speak to why that seems to be the case other than to say, I think that oftentimes, so in my, in that company, the owner, you know, had delegated responsibility, but was still involved with the people and got to know uh, the people in the organization. And it was a competitive industry. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, he was very interested in, in employee retention. And what I would say is I think all too often in corporate America, companies see people as expendable and replaceable when they're not. If you've got great talent, I say it all the time to people that I work with, they are gold. They are the equivalent to having gold in your company and you want to invest in them and you want to grow them and cultivate them and love them (laughs) and ensure that they feel that they're valued and that they're getting what they need out of the company. Because Another thing I think a lot of people fail to see is sometimes corporations look at it and they think it's just about money and it's not. It's about feeling that worth and feeling valued and supported and being given opportunities to grow. Yeah. And it it almost feels like uh, often we have a very short-sighted perspective in the sense of um, I don't necessarily want to spend more money on this employee without realizing that the cost of replacing or losing that employee actually ends up being significantly more long-term, right? And so we're sure. talking about owners having a long-term perspective. Um, and I want to I segue the conversation a little bit. That was a little bit of a, a nugget of wisdom for our people who are yeah. in the leadership space. But might, I, might I add one thing really quickly before yeah. you segue, only because you mentioned um, something, you know, when we look at, I, I also have to often work with owners on, um, you know, the value of employees and, and the cost of replacing an employee isn't just about finding the employee, bringing an employee in. Now you've got a whole new 
um, you know, uh, personality in your, in your workforce that's influencing every level of the organization, right? And also you've let go of somebody who maybe they've made a mistake. People learn from mistakes. Mm. And so if you're replacing somebody because they made a mistake, you're failing to see that that new person you brought in didn't make the mistake. So they're likely to then make that same mistake. Mistakes are how people learn and grow in an organization. I'm going to butcher the story. I don't remember it exactly, but there was some uh, major tech company, like an Apple level company, where uh, one of the engineers had made some sort of uh, mistake and it cost the money, excuse me, it cost the company like a million dollars. I mean, it was something, just one simple mistake. mistake, And um, the owner of the company was being interviewed and asked, you know, did you let this person go? And he was like, why would I let him go? It's a, that's a million dollar employee right there, <laughs> you know, implying that, you know, <laughs> never exactly make the same mistake again, but you know, yeah. well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we're, we've talked a little bit about leadership and especially some of the people who are listening, you know, they're growing a business. Maybe they've hired their first employee uh, or, or maybe even they're, they have 10 to 20 employees, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more. And so they're, they're thinking about the leadership piece, but they're also thinking about, okay, how do, I, how do I add value to this company? And we're talking about not just day-to-day, like what are my responsibilities today, but having that perspective of a month down the road, three months down the road, six months down the road, you know, how do I really position this business to um, be successful long-term? Talk to us a little bit about some of your expertise and how you really help companies get into this mindset of scale, uh, maybe even an exit plan. You know, a lot of businesses yeah. don't even realize like, oh, wow, I could actually sell this thing one day. Yeah. I- I'd love to hear more of your perspective. Sure. And I should note that not not everybody's goal is to grow and sell. You know, there's plenty of people I work with whose ultimate goal is just to have more control over their time and actually mm-hmm. work less and make a good living, but without the control of their current mm-hmm. uh, salaried position or the or the damage that's doing to their relationships where they feel like they're trading time for money, which is something we talked about as well. But um, with everybody, I talk about putting together that plan. And ultimately, you need to build your business around what your goal is. So it's, if your goal is to grow to a large company, or even medium-sized company that you can scale and sell, it's ultimately you need definitive control and oversight on cash flow, profitability. You need a system so that you can't exit a business if you're the business, right? <laughs> right. Like you can't, you can't exit your business. You're your business. I'm my business, right? Um, so if you aren't building people and systems in the business, you're not going to get to the point where you can sell it um, because you're too tied into it. So the goal is to master pieces of the business, put systems in place to ensure that it's repeatable with the same quality, and then delegate. So every time you master, you delegate so that you're slowly moving out of that section of the business. And then you still, of course, need oversight, but oversight from a perspective of the outside, 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I, I want to pause it for a second because you're ultimately talking about, and this is, this is a bit uncomfortable, I think, for yeah. some of our listeners, because you're talking about... I mean, think about this. A business has grown through blood, sweat, and tears. And, you know, everyone, every entrepreneur can point back to like, oh, that week I worked 80 hours. And, you yeah. know, I mean, just the excruciating effort that it takes to grow this thing. And you're talking about the business getting to a certain point where now you're sort of um, actively removing yourself from the equation so that this thing yeah. can exist beyond you. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit beyond that, a little bit about that, excuse me, because I think some of my listeners, there's a bit of a, of a gut punch of, well, you know, I, I want to still be like the most important thing about this. Like I've built this, I've made this. Um, I'd love to hear more about that perspective. It's really challenging for sure. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've talked with people about businesses looking at a business, like it has a life because it does, um, you know, every year your business has had new experiences, new challenges, new growth opportunities, new failures that you've learned from, And so every year your business has grown just like we grow as individuals, right? Every year we've had a year's worth of experiences that have changed us. So your business is constantly changing and evolving. And as an owner, you definitely can tend to look at it like it's your baby. And that's even a common statement. It's my baby. And so it's okay to look at your business that way. But if your goal is to sell it, you need to look at it like it really is your child. Because at 18, your goal should be to have, you know, cultivated a human being who is a great member of the community and who is independent and capable of going out on their own. (laughs) But if you're not going to look at your business that way, then you need to look at your business as something that you're going to work in and not grow and sell. Mm -hmm. What Um, about business... What about businesses who they, a little bit of a different question. They, and you mentioned this earlier, some, not everyone wants to sell their business. Um, some people they know from the get go, I'm never going to sell it. It's going to be just, it's going to be my thing, whether it rises and falls for those people who maybe they don't have like a, a end goal of, um, I'm not looking to sell it, but they want something more with the business. How do you help people really figure out okay, where do we take this business? I mean, do you, do you figure out a revenue number? Is it okay? Yeah, we're making a hundred grand. Let's make 200 grand. Let's grow this thing. I mean, like, because yeah. one of the things I run into with a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast is we just don't know where to put that bullseye. Like where, you know, what do I, what does it really mean to grow this business? I mean, did I make more money? I guess I did. So I guess I grew it, yeah. you know, or maybe I didn't make more money this year because of COVID. So Help me understand, like, how do you help people really figure out this is where you should be taking your business? Sure. So, you know, it's, you know, oftentimes I'm brought into a business that's already up and running and something's just not working and we're working to fix it. But when I have an opportunity to work with somebody as they're starting their business, we look at the goals. And especially, I think today, you know, in this country, it's so easy to start a business, right? I can get I can get a business and an, and an EIN as soon as I get off the line with you, right? And uh-huh. and boom. Um, but what is often featured is the idea of you know grow 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 grow. But for some people, 
especially people leaving um, a very challenging corporate environment or a frustrating medical environment, um, the goal is actually just to enjoy being passionate about what they're doing again, right? And to have less anxiety, less frustration, more control over their time, but they still need to replace an income, right? And the goal uh, can be to grow it. And the way I work with people is what is your goal? Is it time or do you want to grow to be a national or international um, renowned expert? Mm-hmm. And then we build it from there. And I have, you know, um, I think you'll appreciate this. I have pro formas and Excel spreadsheets and we go through it. And what will it look like? How many, you know, what are you looking at for pricing? How many customers do you need to achieve your minimum income goal? Mm-hmm. And then how much time, and there's time built into it, how much time will that take for you in your mind right now, a week? And so how big can you get? And if you can't hit one of those numbers, whether it be time or finances, you need to you need to look at what do I need to change to make it work so that I'm hitting my goal. What, what advice do you have for someone who they've maybe they've built out the spreadsheet, they know um, sort of the big picture goals they want to accomplish, but they can't seem to spare any time and attention to that on a day-to-day basis. They're always maybe fighting fires. There's always, um, you know, oh, there's that one customer today. I have to drop everything to take care of uh, for better or worse. Um, any advice on how business owners can be more long-term minded, strategic minded, and, and sort of get away from that daily grind that takes up a lot of our time? Um, sure. Well, I have a couple of things. Um, first of all, I do recommend block scheduling. So I recommend that you build into your day free time um, because that free time is time where you can focus on challenges that pop up or focus on forward thinking and planning. But I do recommend a ritual of free time where you're not at the business, you're outside of the business. Because if you're at the business, the world is designed to suck you into minutia and your business is again, like a child that's going to suck you into minutia. Um, so what, that's one thing I recommend is that block time outside of the business, whether it be daily or at minimum weekly, where you can start focusing on these things. But another thing I recommend is kind of changing your perspective. You know, you talk about fires and certainly with some of the businesses I, I work in, it, you know, it can be a joke saying, you know, we're not, we're not brain surgeons. Some, some of us are. <laughs> We're not saving lives. Some of us are. But the reality is so much of that, of what we see, you know, we're especially now with all of the technology we have, we're, we're conditioned, right? We're, if there's a ding, we look at our phone. If there's, a, if there's a beep on the computer, oh, what's the email? And we're conditioned to feel like we have to immediately respond to everything, but we don't. That's the trick. We actually don't. And I call it the hundred problem a day theory. And um, when I talk about, well, you know, what if I have a thousand problems a day? Well, I would say to you, I would argue everyone has a hundred problems, but it's what you consider to be a problem that defines you. Mm. Right. So a lot of those things, especially as business owners that we think we have to do, we're doing a disservice, especially if we have staff, we're doing a disservice to the staff. If we jump on board and do everything, 
it's so much better to let them learn and grow and do and evolve, right? Mm -hmm. It's good for you. It's good for them. It's good for the business. But it's also important that when, when something dings, instead of immediately saying, oh, I need a hop on that, take a breath, think about it. Is it really something that warrants immediate attention? Is it something that warrants you shifting your day? Because you're never going to be in control of your time if you can't look at every, every challenge that's presented in this way and make a decision if there's only a hundred things I can focus on today, is this going to be one of them? And then you can decide. You can decide I need to work on it today, right now. It does warrant it. You can say, I don't need to work on it at this minute. I need to finish what I'm doing, but this does warrant my attention later. You can decide if you can delegate it, or you can decide if it's not even a problem. It's just something you can do and move on. Well, I like, I like the active mentality too of, I think a lot of times we're sort of reactive to the things that come across our desk and, you know, the email comes in it's like, oh, I got to respond to this. And we never necessarily have that, that, um, that moment of, do I even really want to deal with this right now? Or do I even really need to deal with this problem? Um, and I think you're right. I think, I think being able to move forward in your business means sort of um, disconnecting yourself a little bit from that reactive ding uh, in our society that you're right is so prevalent. Yeah. Wanna... And you're also, by the way, when you respond that way to everything, you're teaching your people to respond that way. And it's really not great for your business if you're constantly responding instead of controlling and saying, okay, this is this is the priority and this is how we're going to, to work today. And this is how we're going to break, go through our time today. Well, and you're getting into, and we brings us back to where we started, which is, you know, as you grow a business, you also have the added complexity of, oh my gosh, now I'm managing people and the whole leadership game and the management piece of how do you do that effectively and well. Um, I want to ask you about, just because we're running out of time, I want to ask you about another challenging area. And it goes back to your area of expertise, this conversation on sales and even advertising, especially uh, many people today are getting um, more and more involved in digital advertising. Um, you know, you mentioned how it doesn't take anything to start a business. It doesn't take anything to start an ad account, you know, on Facebook, okay. Google, or what have you. I think many people, regardless of their industry, we're all sort of looking at each other thinking, okay, sales is hard. You know, how do we figure out sales well? How do we do it well? You know, I think some of us have uh, certain elements that we get that click for us, but I'd love to get sort of a crash course uh, from you just in these next few minutes on yeah. how to do sales well, how to do advertising well, maybe even some things that people should avoid um, in our social media culture. Um, I'm, I'm loading up things on you right now to cover, but please feel free just to, to go any way you want with this. So I think that, wow, you put out a lot there, but, you know, especially today, um, I deal with a lot of people who, um, you know, the reality is when you look at charts and um, uh, I can put this up or send this out to you, but um, digital time spent with digital media has grown uh, since 2012 Time spent with um, mass media as it pertains to radio has grown a tiny, tiny bit or stayed the same. And time spent with um, local TV and broadcast cable has dropped a bit. 
But um, what you're seeing is more time with media in general, including digital media. And that means more fragmented and less attentive time, if that makes sense to you. Um, so basically, um, people are getting so focused on, I have to be on digital media and I apologize. There's a dog barking. Here. <laughs> Hopefully it's your dog. <laughs> this is the real world. I apologize. Uh, okay. this is everybody working for everybody working from home. Hopefully can relate to this. Okay. So, um, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, why I do the podcast while my kid's asleep. Otherwise she'll just. She's discovered how fun it is to bang on things. And so, you know. I so apologize. I mean, I keep the door closed, but somehow he uh, no managed problem. to get through here. Yeah. Anyway, um, now if I can just uh, briefly. So you were, you were talking about how media consumption in general has grown. Um, it's it's, it's not, con not necessarily that consumption has grown. Time spent with media overall has grown. But what that also means is you're dealing with a less focused audience. So the key is, you know, if you are a business that needs to advertise, meaning you can't sustain yourself from testimonials and referrals, it's really how do you break through that noise? And a lot of people have turned to digital and now their entire focus is there. And now they're getting shut down by Facebook or shut, shut down by Google. And their business is done because they haven't built up a mixture of ways to bring people into their business. Hmm. So in short, because I can't, I could go on for hours about <laughs> advertising and lead generation. The first thing I would advise is um, bringing leads into your business is always a series of putting out a message, testing response, gaining from that response that you either need to change the message or change the platform that you're using to get the message out and then test again. And no matter how successful you are and how much your business is grown or how tenured your business is, it's always, there's never stagnation. It's always messaging, platform, get, gather response, make appropriate changes, test again. Does that mm. make sense to you? It, it does. And uh, I'm about to sneeze. So I'm, I'm <laughs> You know, it's perfect time for me to answer. Uh, it's been such an interesting last few minutes of the podcast. Uh, it, it does make sense. And it I, I love what you said about, you know, putting a message out there and listening, sort of listening, engaging feedback, because it feels like a lot of times we as business owners, that's that's the piece that gets really tricky is the collecting the feedback and actually tuning into what people are saying, especially today's um digital media advertising culture where a lot of times the only feedback we're getting is on Facebook pixel. You know, it's the pure metrics and we're not actually always getting that um, tangible perspective. The other thing I think that's interesting, and I would assume you probably run into this every now and then are owners who love their message. They love their message yes. and there's not, there's not really convincing them otherwise. It's, and they think they're their, their customer. Which right, yeah, cannot. Um, mm -hmm. When I get that person, the first thing I do is say, "I really need you to go through the data you have on who is calling you, coming into your business via your, um, you know, communication means, and really look at who that person is. Not just are they man, are they a male or a female, or you know, are they you know married? You want to get 
really deeply into, are they married? Are they single? Are they, do they have children? Do they not have children? Do they work from home? Are they self-employed? Who is the person that's really buying from you? And make that a hundred percent of your focus, learn everything you can about that person and how that person spends their day and talk to them in their language, Mm -hmm. which isn't necessarily you. In some cases, the business owner can be the best trust agent. I call it a trust agent. A trust agent is a person you use to send your message out into the world. But in more, more often than not, the best trust agent is going to be someone who is just like your ideal customer. Well, I love that perspective. And I think sometimes as business owners, it, it takes sort of that aha moment of realizing, oh, I'm not my target customer. Or even the the product or the message that I think I love, oh, people actually aren't responding to it. Um, I think the sooner we do that, it seems like the better off our business can be. Yeah. You know, you really need to put ego aside and, you know, look at your, you ideally, hopefully you're in business to provide a service to people and you really enjoy it and you really love, you know, providing that to your customer And so you need to really focus on them, not on you. And that's would bring me right down to the next part of your um, question, which was sales. Um, You know, it's about your customer and communicating with them and evolving based on their feedback. And if you are providing that service that you're passionate about providing and you're doing it well, the sales should be coming. And if they're not coming, you need to look at where's the problem. You know, sometimes I'm working with a client and it's, it's a price point. Like they have one price point and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you know, if you really want to bring this, like, is there a way to do a starter package for people who are maybe not ready to come up to this price point? Mm-hmm. Um, and is there a way to, you know, to uh, finance, add a finance arm to your company that allows people to move payments. And I don't want to get in, you know, get on an entirely new tangent, but ultimately communication in your messaging out and what you're getting back in is the same thing that you can do to drive sales. Let me ask you, this really is, I think I said, this is my last question, like three questions ago, but this really is my last question. And it's only because I feel like this is an important one to ask. Uh, and I started thinking of this as you talked about price point and it's less about price, but it's, it's, I can envision the conversation. If I'm, let's say I'm the business owner and you say, Hey, well, have you tried a different price point or, or, or a couple of different price points for let, for letting people get in, uh, starting to work with you, excuse me. And then I give the response of, Oh, well, no, my customers only want that price point. And it feels like in the consultative world, the consultative world, you run into this issue where owners are very much um, declarative on, well, that that's who my customer is. Well, that's just, you know, well, they just won't buy that. They just won't do that. And I'm making it sound a lot more abrasive than it is, but yeah. I think many of us find ourselves in these lines of thinking where it's just like, that's the truth. That just is how it is. Talk to me a little bit about how do you help people have, um, it's, probably a little too simplistic to say like an open mind, but how do you help people see things differently and open themselves up to a different solution that maybe isn't what they thought it always was and, you know, actually allow them to um, see a new perspective? 
it, you know, it can take time. In fact, I, I was working with somebody who um, about a month ago called me like the world was ending because they had an app and something was going wrong with it. And they'd been working on this for a year. And it was kind of like, oh my gosh, now Apple is giving me a problem and life is over as I know it. And I talked through some ideas about how she could, you know, work with people differently. And she kind of said, this is what you've been trying to tell me for months. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but she got it, right? So sometimes it takes time. And and basically what I was saying in in that case is that the app is going to limit you to only this number of people when you got this great thing that you want to do and you really want to, you know, she's, she's going to change the world. She's one Mm. of the types of clients. Why not get it out there and use just a website and social media platforms in her case. Um, uh, But sometimes I get clients who are definitely, as you said, determined that their way is the way. And um, they'll either compare themselves to a particular person or company. And that makes it kind of easy because if you're comparing yourself to a person or company, no matter how great they are, you can you can look at them and find, okay, where did they change? Where did they pivot to growth? I mean, I, I hate the pun, but it's, it's why I named my company Pivot to Growth. You have to change. If you are stalled or you are new, you have to make change to grow and you always have to be changing to grow. You have to be evolving or you're, or you're dying basically. Yeah. yeah and I, it's the world around you is evolving. <laughs> and it's fantastic advice in the day and age we live in, which is the COVID world, right. Or the post COVID world, knock on wood, hopefully um, where the businesses I think that are thriving are living out that innovative um, agile mentality. Um, so I think that's great advice. We're unfortunately out of time today. I would love to let you share for listeners who are thinking, and I have to know more about this person. I have to connect with this person, maybe even work with this person. I'd love to um, have you share what does it look like for people to do that? Oh, sure. Um, You know, well, I do have, um, you know, an initial phone call and we talk through where you are and what your goals are. You know, I, there are so many coaches and consultants out there, which I think is awesome for everybody. It's great for the coaches and it's great for, for the audience because you really have to click with the person who's advising you and guiding you. Um, you have to like the person. So, um, I like to have an introductory, you know, I, I call it a half hour phone call. It usually turns into an hour. <laughs> and then at the at the very least, you're going to come out of it with some advice and some follow-up kind of uh, actions to take on the first challenge that we get to talk through on that call. It's no charge. It's uh, you can schedule it at my pivottogrowth.com website. And um, it's an easy process. And then from there, if uh, it seems like it's a fit, um, then we can get, get to work. I love it. I love it. Jessica, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. <laughs> and for our listeners, that's Jessica Jones at pivottogrowth.com. I'll put her episode description down in the, uh, excuse me, I'll put her website link down in the episode description below. Um, I'm also going to put the link to her company's LinkedIn page because you know how much I love LinkedIn. Uh, that'll be down in the episode description below as well. 
and definitely give her a call. And hey, by the way, if you've been listening to the podcast and you've never subscribed or followed the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click the follow button, make sure you are continuing to get good advice wherever you're at. And hey, don't forget, we're on Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, if you want to get your business uh, advertised on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash good advice to find out more information. As always, so appreciate the support. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. See ya.